Good e morning. morning. One of those two. Morning, evening. Hey, it's good to be with you guys today. You guys ready? Yeah. Hey, you know what we have today? Today we have the launching of our small groups. Yeah. And so we're launching our small groups today, and so I want to encourage you to get signed up. There's tables out there. Some of our people are out serving children, loving on children, so uh, the stations there, they may not be manned, but you, you can see what it's about and sign up at one of those uh, areas, and, and there'll be some people answer your questions out there if you have any, any questions. So uh, it's going to be good. It's going to be a good semester. Amen? And uh, with that being said, I am starting a new relationship series called Forgotten Virtues. Forgotten Virtues. You guys already are excited, aren't you? Uh, you, you forgot. Forgot to be excited. Yeah. And so this morning, I, I'm excited. Relationships uh, really is all what life is about. If you think about it, it's all about relationships. Life can be horrible as far as things going on in life, but if your relationships are good, life is good. You can have all the money in the world, and if your relationships are bad, then life is bad. Isn't that the truth? And so we've got, because God created us for relationships. He didn't create us for all the things that, that life uh, has. And, and, and he did create those things that we can enjoy, but it's not the very thing that's going to bring hap- happiness in our life. And so we're going to talk about some forgotten virtues today, but I, I want to give you the, the definition of virtue. If you're taking notes, you might jot this down real quick because uh, it's not in your notes, but it's on the screen. The term virtue in Greek often refers to moral excellence and goodness. A virtue is a tendency, a habit, stemming from who you are at your core level to act in, a, in certain ways. Virtue then relate to who you are as people, our character. And so what it is, is that it's, it's who we are at the core and uh, there's some forgotten virtues. As a matter of fact, I was reading in 2 Timothy chapter 3. You can go look at it, verses 1 through 5. The Bible says in these last days, there's going to be a lot of turmoil that's going to be taking place. Lots of hardship, lots of issues that are going to be taking place in these last days. And one of the first things that it states and says is that people are going to be selfish. People are going to be lovers of themselves. They're going to be self-focused. And really, that's, that's one of the, the, the things that I just want to start out with in talking about. We're talking today about the virtue of generosity. Because the opposite of generosity is selfishness. Hello. Isn't that what you wanted to come to church and hear? That you might be selfish. Yeah. And, and let me tell you, we're going to be talking about that today. And, uh, and, 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 you know, many of us don't realize how selfish we really are. And how much we battle with selfishness. And let me tell you, there's not a person in this place that doesn't ba- battle with selfishness. One preacher said it this way. He says, all you have to do to be selfish is nothing. You automatically gravitate towards being selfish. We have to be proactive and work against selfishness. 
And, and so that's what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about generosity and how to, how to be proactive and, and be generous people because there's no relationships that succeed without, without being generous. We have to be generous in our relationships in order for those relationships to succeed. Yes, sir. I'm going to tell you the core, the core problem of all divorces is selfishness. It's not the adultery. It's not the money problems. It's not all those other things that, that you know, people say, that's why we did it. And let me tell you what, why people commit adultery, because of selfishness. Why people get into money problems, because of selfishness. And I'm going to tell you, it's at the core of every problem, relationship problem, is selfishness. So we have to be generous people. And we make all the excuses in the world of why we do what we do. Now, somebody wants some help in this room. I know that you're here to grow. Sometimes growth hurts. Sometimes it's uncomfortable. But I'm here to tell you, I'm not, I'm not here to make you comfortable. I'm here to grow you. I'm here to help you. I'm here to help you succeed. Success doesn't happen by chance. It happens intentionally. And so let me give you this statement that I believe that's true. And it's this. I read it this week. It's not original. It's not from me. I don't even remember who wrote it, so they're not getting credit for it. But I'll take it. And it says this. It says, if something is important to you, you will find a way. If not, you'll find an excuse. Isn't that, isn't that true? I mean, if it's important to you, you're going to find a way. If your relationships are important to you, you're going to find a way to be generous in them. If they're really, truly important, you're going to make a way. And so what I want to do is I want to start out with a scripture. This is going to be our foundational scripture through this, uh, this series. And it's Ecclesiastes 7, verse 29. And we, we don't realize, maybe realize, that God created us to, to be a people that live a virtuous life. But it says in Ecclesiastes 7, 29, But I did find this, God created people to be virtuous, but they have each turned to follow their own downward path. Their own downward path. Uh, at the end of last year, as I was praying and seeking God, as I as just just talking to Him, I, I felt like the Lord. I was praying actually for a particular couple, and and uh, and just disheartened because of some decisions that, that I've seen them make. And and don't worry about it; it's not you. It's nobody in this room. Okay, I mean it may it may it may be you. But it wasn't you that I was praying for, okay? <laughs> but as I was praying for them, I felt like the Lord put this in my heart. He says, he says people are automatically going to be takers. So you've got to teach them how to be generous. Selfishness is something that we all battle with. And if we're selfish, we're more about taking than we are giving. We are more about being takers than we are givers. And I'm going to tell you that far too many people's relationships are failing. Far too many churches are failing. Far too many people are hurting because people are takers, they're consumers, and they're not contributors, they're not givers. Are you with me? Every relationship, healthy relationship, 
is, has mutual exchange. There's giving and taking, giving and taking, giving and taking. It's, there's a, an exchange that, that takes place, sowing and reaping, sowing and reaping, if you will. And so we've got to have this happen in our life. I am, I am on a quest this year to see us be as healthy as possible in our lives. I've, I have it in my heart. Our, our team is working with me, and we're working at making this happen. There's four things that I want us to see happen this year. Number one, that we would just get healthier in every way. That we would be healthier, healthier, healthier. And, and then secondly, that we would just be better. That we would be better and get better in, in doing life, get better and be better at doing uh, relationships, at church, and what, whatever way. And then thirdly, that we would develop some leaders. I need some people that's going to step up and not be selfish and be a, a generous person that's going to step up and say, hey, I want to lead. I want to be used by God in a powerful way. And then fourthly, that we would double this year. In every way. Every way that's healthy. Every way that's better. That, I, I mean, I don't, want to, I don't want to double my weight, obviously, okay? You understand? What? So we, we want to double in, 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 in healthy, good ways. And those are the four things that I want to see us take place this year. And I believe it can happen. But it's only going to happen through people that are generous, that are not being selfish, that are not self-absorbed and self-focused. It's going to happen through people that are being generous. And the the lives that we could touch as a result. And so God put it in my heart and he says, you know, you're going to have to teach it. You're going to have to instruct it. And so that's what I'm doing today. I'm teaching you. I'm instructing you. I'm, I'm showing you that Scripture is, has, has, has pointed out clearly that we are called to be generous, that it is a virtue that should be a, a, a part of our life, at the very core of our life as Christians. I can understand if we're not a Christian yet. And thank God you're here because that's why we're here too. Because we want to introduce you to the biggest giver ever, and that's Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. And so what I want to do is I want to take you to a story found in Acts chapter 3. And when I first read this story, it's like, what's this got to do with generosity? Oh, you're going to see it. You're going to see it in this this story. Acts chapter 3, so if you would, turn with me there and and let's look at this together. Acts 3, we'll begin with verse 1 and we'll read on to verse 8. It says, now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain, a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him, John With John, Peter said, look on us. And he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. He took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and his ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. Isn't that awesome? And let me tell you, here's the, here's, here's the generous part. 
they didn't have silver and gold. They, could, they didn't have money with them to give at that, to, at that time. But it does say what they did have, they gave. Silver and gold, I have, have I none. But what I do have, I give. They gave out of, out of what they had. Far too many people are making excuses because they may not have certain things, but you still have something to give. You could still be generous and contribute to those that are around you. You got to realize that God didn't call you here to, to just carry on in life and, and take up space and occupy this, this, this earth until finally you go to heaven. He called you and I to make a huge impact. And you have what it takes to make an impact. Now, you can grow in that too. But I'm here to tell you, wherever you're at today, you have what it takes to make a big impact. I was reminded of a story, story because many of us, they, we're generous in, in certain areas, but we're not generous in other areas. I was reminded of a story of a lady that was with us years ago that was extremely generous financially. I mean, very, very generous financially. And she came to me, and God had dealt with her, and she said, Pastor, and I don't remember why she did this, but she did come to me, and I, I don't remember if she apologized for something, or it's, it's, been, it's been too long to, to remember that for me anyhow. And, uh, but she says, Pastor, I've, you know, I'm generous, fine. and she is, she was, and she, was, she didn't turn her attention towards herself, but she says, God's been dealing with me. I've been generous financially, but stingy with myself and my time. And I thought, wow, I learned a lesson myself because I had been stingy. I hadn't been giving my life away like I thought I should. I mean, I thought I was until, until that revelation began to take hold of my heart. It's like, I need to give more of myself away. I, if, I still have, if I still have some of myself to give away, I need to give it away. Who am I saving it for? I mean, our time is so limited here. It's, it's a breath. It's a vapor. We're here for that long, and we're going to be gone. What am I going to do? Store it up and someday use it up? If I have some time, and if I have some of me that I can give away that's going to make a difference in somebody else's life, baby, let's do it. I want to give my life away. Amen? Too many of us are storing up selfishness for whatever, a rainy day, I guess. I don't know. For today, I guess that's why they're home sleeping. Amen? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Hello. So, so what I want to talk about is I want to break this down as quickly as possible. I'm just going to go whiz through this. It's, it's, I mean, there's, there's some points, and I've got a lot here, but I always have too much. And so just let me, let me just give you this. First of all, the virtue of generosity. God uses our generosity to accomplish his ministry. I got to thinking about this story is that had they not been generous people, they wouldn't have been on the path that they were on anyway, going to church. Yeah. Or actually, they was going to a small group. The Bible says they were going to a prayer meeting. It happened to be at church, but they were going to a prayer meeting. Isn't that right? Yeah. And so they, they, they were already being generous. 
They were already going to pray for people. They were already going to seek out whatever it is that God wanted and not what they wanted. God, what is it that you want? See, prayer isn't about us getting our needs met alone. That, yeah, that's part of it, but a huge part of prayer ought to be, God, what is it that you want me to do? What's the assignment that you have for me? How is it that you want me to conduct my life? How do you want me to direct my life? How do you want me to use my life? I heard one pastor say it this way, if you took I out of of most people's prayer, they wouldn't have a prayer life. I want this, I want that, I want this, you know. We cannot even, we need to be more generous with our prayers. Oh boy, you guys are feeling the love, aren't you? I'm here, I'm I'm just here to help you because I want your relationships to succeed. There are, there are, there's ministry that will never happen unless we position ourselves to, for it to happen. And that's that we must be generous. They could have walked by this guy like so many others walked by him. The Bible says he was there daily asking alms. But not Peter and John. See, they, they at this point, they, seized the opportunity even though they didn't have anything to give what the guy was asking. See, sometimes people, what they're asking isn't what they need. See, now he could get up and he could go and earn his own money. Amen? First John chapter 3, verse 16. I'm going to read it in two different translations. And it says, this is how we know what love is. Christ gave his life for us. We too then ought to give our lives for others. I'm going to read this out of another translation. It says, my children, we must not only talk about loving people, we must show we love people by what we do for them. We must really love them. We, we need Love is expressed in our gratitude and our generosity. That's how love is expressed. Let me tell you, I'm just going to put a plug in for our small groups. Small groups ought to be more than what you just get out of it. It ought to be for ministry that you can bring to it. There are, other, there are people, every one of us in this room, I don't care who you are, every one of us have a need. Or else, why do we have a need for Jesus? Every one of us are, have something that we're processing, going through, struggling with. Yeah, so you, some of you might have some things going better for you than maybe others right now. But I'm going to tell you, every one of us have a need for the ministry of Jesus Christ. And that ministry has been delegated to his body called the body of Christ, the church. And so what God gets, what he does and gets accomplished, he gets accomplished through us. But if we're not generous, we're going to be out doing whatever we want to do and not doing what he wants us to do. And I I tell you, I think for me, I'm not speaking for you, but for me, it's criminal to withhold what I can give to somebody else, especially if it's life, if 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 hell and, and heaven are in the balance. It's criminal. I, I could not imagine where I would be today if it wasn't for somebody that was being generous with themselves and giving their life to me and reaching out to me. I want to challenge you. Start being more generous, not just in your finances, but with your time and with yourself. People need you. Secondly, God uses our generosity to direct our paths. <laughs> 
as I contemplated this, they were on a path. Peter Peter and John. They were on a path. And that path was not for themselves, as I've already stated. They were on a path that was to benefit others. But they could have been on a path that benefited themselves. And, and let me tell you, that, ba- that path, they could have been at a, at a place where an opportunity uh, would not be seized. But because they were on the right path, God was able to use them and they seized that opportunity to bring a miracle in a person's life. How many times are we on the wrong path? Because we're self-absorbed, self-seeking, self-focused. Romans chapter 8, verse 7 and 8, it says, because, uh, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be, so then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. I want to read this to you out of the Message Bible. I love it. I love it. I love it. Focusing on self is the opposite of focusing on God. Anybody completely absorbed in self ignores God, ends up thinking more about themselves than God. That person ignores who God is and what he is doing, and God isn't pleased by being ignored. It's impossible to please God when we're selfish, is what it's saying. Why? Because we're on a different path than what God has for us. All right. How many of you remember the, 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 the story of the Good Samaritan? There were three on that path. There was only one that seized that opportunity. Two were religious people. They were churchgoers. Two were on the right path until they saw, mm, I've got to give of myself. Excuse me. They crossed the street and they took another path. It was only the Good Samaritan that stayed on that path and and says, I'm going to be generous. I'm going to be generous with myself, with my time. Even with his finances, he was generous. And he was the one that was recorded as being something that made a difference, somebody that made a difference in another person's life. How do we want to be recorded by God? Well, the only way that you're going to be recorded by God in a positive sense is being on the path that God has for you and I. Amen? So we see that. Okay, I want to move on because, I, I, like I said, I've got some things I want to accomplish here. Number three, the virtue of generosity. God uses generosity to make us bold. Stingy people are not real bold. You remember Adam and Eve? They got stingy. They ate of something. They, they were takers. They ate of something they weren't supposed to eat. And it was all about them. It was not about God. It wasn't about others. They weren't thinking about humanity. They weren't thinking about the, the negative uh, repercussions of their decisions. Were they thinking about that at all? Absolutely not. And guess what happened? Wow. They missed out. And we're all having to still deal with it. And we can't criticize them because we've eaten of the forbidden fruit before over and over and over. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Are you, are you with me this morning? I'm not mad at anybody. I want to help you in your relationships. And so what did they do? They went and hid from God. 
They hid from God. And what happens whenever we're selfish, we are not bold. What causes us to be bold is when we're generous with our life. There's just something supernatural that happens through generosity. It is something that God anoints, God empowers in order for us to make a difference. And we see that boldness. The boldness of John and Peter and say, come on, I'm telling you, you're going to walk. I know that you think your need is for alms, but I'm here to tell you what you need is to walk. So stand up and let's walk. Well, he did walk, but he went a little step further. He started leaping and praising God. I don't know about you, if you were lame and and unable to walk, I think you would probably do some dancing too. Whether you got rhythm or not, you're going to do some dancing. So Acts chapter 4, 31, I just want to give you this. It says, and when they, they had prayed, the place where they were shaken together, I mean, assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak the word with boldness. Notice here, when they gathered together, they were in a small group praying, boldness took place. Because it wasn't about them, it was about others. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 13, it says, For those who have served well gain for themselves a good standing and a great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. I like that. Uh, another translation says it this way. It says, Those who, walk, who work well as church helpers will be respected by others and their own faith in Christ Jesus will grow. So there's a boldness that comes and it's associated with generosity. I, I have a boldness with my wife. I have, I mean, why? Because I generously give her my love. And her with me. We, we, well, there's no hiding from each other. There's no reason to. We are totally and completely immersed in our, our commitment to Christ and to uh, serving and loving one another. And with that comes a boldness. I see marriages, people are scared to talk to their spouse. They're scared to even be around their spouse because I'm telling you, selfishness breeds insecurity. When we get selfish, we become very, very insecure. I know, I hear you. Move on. Okay, let me move on to the fourth thing because I, I have a video I want to show you. Number four, the virtue of generosity. God uses generosity to manifest his power. It was through their generosity, their willingness to give their lives away. I don't have this, I don't have that, but what I do have, this is what I can give you. I'll give it to you. And God says, I'm going to move on their behalf. And the power of God was manifested as a result. One scripture, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. You and I, as the body of Christ, are to be a reflection of Christ here on this earth. Again, too many times we're calling on God, and God's looking at us, and he's saying, you need to take some steps, and if you'll take some steps, I will work a miracle on your behalf. And I don't know how that applies to you, because that's the Holy Spirit's leading, and I can't, I can't you know, everybody's situation is different. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, it says, But you are a chosen race. Thank God he's talking about us. A royal priesthood. He's talking about us. A dedicated nation. God's own purchase. Thank God. That's us. Get this. Special people. 
we're special. That you may set forth the excellencies, the wonderful deeds, and display the virtues and the perfections of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I just want to say that every one of us are in different places in life. I understand that. We've all got issues. We're all working through things. God's working on our behalf. We started this year out talking, uh, praying through, uh, uh, with his 21 days of prayer and fasting. If you were a part of that, thank you so much. I believe that God is working mightily already in 2017. There were four things that we were believing God for, especially a lot of other things, but four things. Number one, that there would be a, a, uh, a uh, purifying that would take place or a refining in our life. Secondly, that we would see a, a revival take place in our lives. That we would see a, a, a refreshing take place in restoration. Those four things. And God's moving in a mighty way. And I'm here to tell you, I get to share a story with you by a friend of mine that is in our small group. And, uh, and I'm just so grateful that he uh, allowed himself to be transparent and vulnerable with where he was spiritually so that he can help you. Because I know there's a lot of us that can identify with him. And I'm here to tell you, we're a church that has issues. Everybody has issues and we're working through those issues. Amen? And I just want you to see this testimony. I believe it'll, it'll uh, just uh, be the icing on the cake in this message. Because he did it not to glorify himself. He did it because he wanted to be a blessing to you and help you. Because somebody needed to hear this. Okay? Let's, put, let's roll it. Hi, Church on the Move family. Ray Didlow coming to you. I wanted to share a little bit of my testimony with you. For the last five, six years, I've dealt with a son that has been in drugs, in and out of jails and prisons and everything else, and and a rough life, and he and I have had a lot of issues. But in 2017, God told me that there's going to be change, and there has been. At the end of last year, Josh went into a recovery center called New Hope in Sarah, Oklahoma, and from that, he did it about 42 days and accidentally had a mishap and smoked marijuana and got kicked out of the rehab. Got put into a sober living house where, again, had a mistake and got kicked out. All these trials throughout my whole life with him have just been heartbreaking and hard to deal with. Now he's kicked out of a house. Ice storm is coming to that part of Oklahoma. I have to put him up into a hotel room for two days not knowing what to do with him. So I called his probation officer, went and got him, brought him back to Tyler, Texas for one week. The whole time praying, but this is hard. This is hard, Lord. And when he comes here for one week, I have one week to try to find him a place to live because the alternative was for him to go back to Tulsa where his mother lived. All his drug abuse has come from Tulsa. So it's just bad, bad, bad for him to go back there. So I'm praying the whole time, asking God to help me. And... Every day in 2017, he has strengthened me more and more. So I bring my son here for one week. We arrive that evening. Um, I had a hint of a place to send him in Elk City, Oklahoma, um, called the Foundation House. I got that hint from his probation officer. I looked them up on the internet, 
found nothing. Found a Facebook page. On the Facebook page, it simply said, just send us a message on Facebook. I was praying to God. I was like, what am I going to do? I have one week to find him a home to go live at because he can't stay here. He's on probation. His probation officer won't allow it. Within 30 minutes, the Lord answered that prayer. My phone rings. It's the guy that runs it, Joe Fallon. He calls me up and says, man, I'm sorry. He said, I sent you a reply on Facebook. And I said, well, I didn't see it. He goes, oh, well, that's what I'm sorry about. On the reply, I told you we didn't have a space. And he said, five minutes ago, one of the guys came and said he's been doing so well, his mom took him back, he's leaving. Within 30 minutes of being home, God did that for me and for my son. Talk about faith building. So from there, I just started really praying a lot and trying to get even closer to God more than I ever do. But another situation that I've been dealing with for a long time in my life is tithing. I try to do this without getting emotional because it's it's my son's stuff was emotional, but I'm I'm doing real good with that. But the tithing part, my wife, um, we got married seven years ago. Tithing was a big issue, and my wife, being a supportive wife, just she turned it over to God and said, "When when the day comes, Lord, He'll know." And I know I'm supposed to. And there's a big part of me that has always I won't I don't want to say I'm greedy, but that's money out of my pocket that I worked hard for that I want to go buy me stuff or buy my wife stuff or buy my kids stuff. I've always had it in my mind that I can't, I can't do without this, you know, this extra money. And yes, all the sermons will tell you God can do more with that 10% than you can with the other 90. So I didn't buy it. You know, I didn't listen. I went on and on. Well, the other day I took my wife and my father-in-law out to dinner at a pizza place here in town. And for whatever reason, the bill was extra, extra big. It was, with the tip and everything, it was like $86. And as I sit there at that table, God hand-plucked me from where I was sitting, from that booth. We were in a room that was made of clouds. And in this room, God stood next to me. When he picked me from that table, he said, just come with me, I want to show you something. And on this one wall, the clouds just split, and it, it looked like a TV screen, but it wasn't a TV. It was just the cloud split, and there was a vision. That vision was me sitting at the table at that pizza hut with my wife next to me, my father-in-law across from me, and it was he was letting me, the father was letting me see that I was signing the check for $86. And all he did was look at me. And, and I looked over at him, and I said, I got it. I got the message. And that message that he was trying to tell me without even saying a word was that, Ray, you can spend $86 at this pizza joint and 10% of that would have been $8.60 and you can't give that to me? He said that to me without, without even saying a word. And it broke me. It, it broke me. I went, I went home that evening and uh, set out in my garage playing with my little car went back inside we needed to go over our budget and do bills but before i could i sat down with my wife on the bed i laid down and said i need to talk to you and i sat down and i just started bawling i couldn't handle it with her she's my best friend and uh, i couldn't handle it and i told her i said i said this is what happened today and this is what's been going on for the last year and i said and god broke me he he didn't break me he showed me and Part of, part of my tears was because 
my wife, I, I felt bad for not listening to her all this time. Um, but the bottom line is God showed me what I needed to know. And we did our budget and we built tithing into every single, she, my wife gets paid every week, I get paid every two. Every single dollar that will come into our hands now has tithing built into it. And furthermore, we also talked about building up a separate account to donate to the church for other things, such as our sound system and different things. Now, let me take it one step further. I left Sunday after church. I had to drive back down to Elk City to get my son. That's six and a half hours from here. From there, picked him up. He had court, traffic court on Monday in Tulsa. Tulsa's another four hours from Elk City. So I drove basically 10 to 11 hours Sunday after church. Got him, stayed the night at my mother's house, went to court yesterday morning, Monday morning. Now on the way to pick up my son, I prayed to my father and I said, Lord, I said, whatever the outcome of this is, I want it to be what you need it to be. I need you to do something that's going to show my son that you're in his life. To help him he's 20 years old it's real easy to still fall back into bad habits but I want to keep him focused and I'm you're the only one that can do it father long story short is we went to uh, the court Monday morning my son gets up there he had three charges leaving the scene of an accident he wrecked his car in a neighborhood all by himself leaving the scene of an accident speeding and no insurance he had missed his court date December 7th because he was in rehab. The court didn't know it. They had warrants out for his arrest. So I'm thinking, Lord, just take care of this because he could either get arrested, he could get a lot of fines, he could lose his license, whatever. We get up there. The judge says, how do you plead to all these things? He says, guilty. And he says, how come you missed your court date? And my son handed him some papers from New Hope Recovery Center saying what dates he was in there. The judge says, I'll accept these. Then the judge turned around and named off the fines for each of the individual things. They equated to about $1,000 worth of bills. Then all of a sudden the judge said, I'm going to give you credit. I'm going to give you $25 a day credit for every day that you were in recovery. That equals $1,500. He said, so as far as I'm concerned, you're wiped clear here. You can leave. You're free to go. Brothers and sisters, let me tell you, if that's not the Lord, you're mistaken because that's the Lord right there. There's nobody, no place, no nothing that can have anything to do with that except for the Lord. I prayed it, and he did it. And, and you know, I talked to my son afterwards and, and really gave him a, a long talk about the Father and what he did for him here today. And then when I dropped my son back off to head back home yesterday, I, uh, I talked to the Father again. And, of course, I started crying again because I realized that, Father, you didn't just send a message to my son. And, oh, by the way, the most powerful message I've ever seen anybody get sent to go to court and walk away with a handshake. Um, you sent a message to me. You sent confirmation to me saying, you know, just one week ago or a few days ago, actually, I fell crying to my wife and weeping to my father saying, I need to tithe. And I learned and I wanted to change in my life. And Father, that's just confirmation to me that, that you sent a message to me too. Here it is, I prayed for my son to have an easy court deal. <laughs> he went overboard with making it easy. 
in fact, benefited him. But then I walk away going, wow, Father, it wasn't just for him. You gave me something, too. You made me realize that my faith, especially when it comes to tithing, that, that breakthrough that I made in that, really says that you're here with me. I am faith-filled right now, and I'm going to continue because I love the journey that God's got me on and what it feels like. I hope all of you will have similar faith. Thank you. Let's give Ray a big hand. Thank you, Ray, for sharing your heart. He's back there in the sound booth. What an awesome testimony, isn't it? And I'm here to tell you, I, I was thinking about this even uh, while I was, uh, was doing the filming and, and, and then uh, just listening to it again. Um, he was on a path in a place where God could manifest his power. And I think he did. I, I, think, I believe he manifested his power on the behalf of him. And, and I'm going to tell you, I, I want to see God's best in your life. This, this toughest thing that I have to do as a pastor is to convince you to be unselfish and to be generous. But I'm here to tell you, if I can, if I can do that, that'll be the best thing in your life. He who tries to hold on to his life will lose it. But if you'll lose your life for him, then you'll find it. Amen? And how are you going to find it? You're going to find it blessed. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for...